So my whole career begins and ends more or less with Instagram. I have built my following organically. I have a very engaged following. And I'd say 70% of my sales come through Instagram. When I decided to pursue it as a real career, my sales were coming to me through Instagram. People were able to connect with me and relate to my art through Instagram much more than seeing you know, my painting on a wall with a little blurb, they read my whole story. And art is something very personal. You know, my art is beautiful and visual, but there is a story behind most of my works. And people connect to art through the story. And they read that all on Instagram. Entrepreneurial journeys are often begun to find a better way to do something or solve a problem in spite of the odds against them. Artistic journeys are usually a way to express oneself. Elizabeth Sutton is a visual artist who has taken the art scene by storm, creating a highly curated fine art and design firm with a goal to foster positivity and good vibes through colorful artworks and products. Pushing through challenging times that would have crumbled most to motivate herself to build, grow, and thrive while staying true to her own vision and painting her memories. Coming up, You'll hear how a passion for art and having a puppy led Elizabeth to purchase $1,000 of art supplies without any background in art. Why her career begins and ends with Instagram with 70% of sales coming through there. Building a tremendous business while raising two little kids and working 100 plus hours per week. Why Elizabeth made a rule for two hours when she gets home every night, she is phone free. Instagram as an analytical tool and how loop giveaways are Elizabeth's most successful tool for new followers. What the Jenners and Kardashians have to do with leaving her ex-husband and launching her art career. Why helping others and giving back is so important and how a horrible car accident changed everything right at a very demanding moment that should have been a key high point. This is the Entreprenista Podcast presented by Socialfly. It's the best business meeting you'll ever have with must-hear real-life looks at how leading women in business are getting it done and what it takes to build and grow a successful company. It's beyond the gram with no filters, no limits, and plenty of surprises. Elizabeth, for anyone who follows you on Instagram, you are an incredible artist. You are so talented, but I want to know how did your passion for art really begin? So it's funny, I never really had a passion for art. Um, When I was a child, the only artistic thing I really did was scrapbooking. I'd spend hours on end up on the third floor in my house um, on Shabbat when I wasn't really allowed to do that. Uh, But I'd lock myself in the room and I'd scrapbook. But honestly, I dabbled in art just as a hobby when I got married. Um, I had just graduated from college. I had worked in fashion, but I kind of quit. I didn't really need a job at the time. And I was struggling to keep busy. I'm not the best doing nothing. And so I literally went to Blick and purchased about $1,000 of art supplies, like round the gamut. I just went crazy. Wait, so you hadn't taken an art class in college? You never did anything? No, never. What led you to the art store of all all things? (laughs) Well, really what happened was I got a puppy because I was so bored. My puppy was only five weeks old. um, And I'd leave for an hour and I'd come back and he'd be like rolling around in his pee. And I literally was tied to my apartment. I said, I need to stay home all day. Usually when you get a puppy, you can't get them till eight weeks old. I got an exception. Um, But it meant that he was very young and didn't know what he was doing. And so I literally was like, I'm going to be 
stuck in my apartment for a few weeks every day. I really can't leave. And so that's what compelled me to go to the art store. I was like, what can I do in my apartment all day? Um, I used to cook a lot. That was really my creative passion. But I, I needed to do more. And the first artworks I ever made were on my um, dining table at my first apartment with my ex-husband. And I made one glitter stripe painting and I made a huge Vogue collage. Those were my two first ever artworks. But I really just made them for fun for myself. Uh, And what happened was really over the years, I had just kept creating some pieces for my apartment for fun. And then we experienced some financial loss and I really needed to start working. And I told myself I was going to become a chef. That was really my creative passion when I was married. I took a lot of cooking classes. I would cook for 16 people on a Tuesday night and set a beautiful table and make my own floral arrangements. And when I needed to start working, I kind of thought I was going to start catering and hosting small dinner parties. And I had been in the middle of redecorating my nursery in anticipation of my son when we lost our money and I hadn't purchased art yet and I was like I don't want to put glitter I don't want to put collage I picked up a paintbrush for the first time ever for like a craft say with my friend she taught me this very simple technique using tape on these like small plywood boards from Blick that's where Blick and um, artists and craftsmen are my two favorite art supply stores And she taught me this technique and I made three small geometric colorful paintings for his nursery. I put it on Instagram and somebody reached out and sent me a message saying, I love your art. Would you make me something? I said to myself, sure, a little bit of time, a little bit of money. Why not? And then over the years, people had asked for artwork. I hit them all up. I said, are you still interested? Some of them said yes. I said, great. Um, And I made them artwork. How did you know what to charge? You know what I charged for my first two paintings? Two paintings, two geometric abstractions, a grand total of $875. Now, if I was quoting that to a client, it'd be about $6,000. So I started much lower. Um, The first collage I did was $1,500 for a 36 by 36. That would probably be now also around $5,500, $6,000. And then I'd be delivering them. I'd bring them down to my lobby I had artwork sitting in my lobby for literally five minutes as I pulled my car around and I left it with the doorman. Two women in the building saw, said, we love that. Who's the artist? They said, actually, she lives in the building. I got two new clients. And about two months later, when I was still contemplating, you know, going after my cooking, um, I received a phone call from the number one broker in New York, Ryan Serhant, he's on a TV show called Million Dollar Listing. He knew I did art through a friend and he called me on the way to, I was on the way to Costa Rica with my family for my son's first birthday. And he said, Liz, I need artwork for a new development. I need to stage it with work. Are you interested? I said, sure, why not? It was not supposed to film for TV, but this guy is very important. I said, of course, I'd like to get involved. He said, okay, good. I need 12 artworks in three weeks. I said, Sure, no problem. (laughs) I had zero artworks to give him because the only artworks I had were, they weren't professional. The ones that were in my apartment, they had nicks here. They had air bubbles, you know. They were hobby art. And so I literally, from the airport, put up an ad on Craigslist. um, And I said, seeking art assistant. I landed back in New York. First thing I did was I interviewed my first ever art assistant. His name is Mike. He's still with me. And I said, listen, we're going to paint on my table for the next three weeks straight. And for three weeks, I painted on my dining table nonstop, like a workaholic. Um, I taught myself a bunch of new techniques. 
That's when I developed my butterflies. I kind of got inspired by Robert Indiana. I started working with uh, MDF cutouts and CNC milling. And that's what I really consider the beginning of my career. Wow, that's that's so incredible. Um, What year was that? Um, The first time I picked up a paintbrush was really October 2015. And that happened uh, January 29th, 2016, to be exact, because I remember. Did it air on the TV show? So it wasn't supposed to, and then it ended up airing. We ended up uh, a few episodes. I ended up working with him again. I staged another whole development for him. It aired on the finale, but they both ended up airing, and it was you know really good exposure for me, for my press kit. It was the beginning of my career, so it was an important contact. Did you get calls from your work being on TV, or were you just able to use that in your press to help leverage to get more? Definitely both. I'd say it's better leverage for press. You know, people do think that working with celebrities is cool and hip. Um, I do whatever works for my career. But the New York Post article, I got some inquiries from there. That was great. Um, Press is helpful, I think, for for your brand. It's not as much sales driven as much as your brand equity. I don't know a lot about the art industry, but I would imagine a lot, and based on what you're saying, it's a lot of word of mouth. How are you selling everything right now? Is it just on your website? Are you in galleries? So my whole career begins and ends more or less with Instagram. I have built my following organically. I have a very engaged following, and I'd say 70% of my sales come through Instagram. When I decided to pursue it as a real career, As soon as I made that decision in my brain, I hit up all the real estate babies in New York who I kind of grew up with. And I said, you know, can I put my art in your model apartments, in your lobbies, in your restaurant to get exposure? Because I didn't really want to work with a gallery. I needed autonomy. Galleries take 50% of the sale. And because my work is so time intensive, talking business, the margins on my art are not so high. They take a long time to create. I now have a team Um, so the gallery model is not really right for me. And I found that my sales were coming to me through Instagram. People were able to connect with me and relate to my art through Instagram much more than seeing, you know, my painting on a wall with a little blurb. They read my whole story and art is something very personal. You know, my art is beautiful and visual, but there is a story behind most of my works and people connect to art through the story and they read that all on Instagram. Is most of your work now custom where people are seeing certain pieces on Instagram and then they want something specific based on what they've seen? Or are they looking for – I know you've done – I've seen like Mickey Mouse or Disney pieces. I've seen all different types of things. And what do people ask for? Maybe a Mickey for your nursery. Yes, definitely. <laughs> definitely Disney theme. <laughs> um, I'd say it's a split of both. My butterflies, which are my bestsellers – Almost always those are custom commissions because I am an artist who is willing to work with a designer or cater to your color palette, the size that you want. A lot of artists really, in my opinion, they have ego and they don't want to. They just want to create what they want to create. For me, I love my process. So if you're giving me confines, I actually find that a challenge and I want to create – I can create something beautiful within confines. I'm not somebody who – is not imaginative within a budget or within a color palette or a size. So that's one of the reasons I think I actually have a lot of good relationships with interior designers and clients like that. But people also buy the artworks that I produce, like that are my passion projects. I'd say it's about a 50-50 split. How often are you painting now? Every day. Uh, Five days a week. And what inspires you? My painting or my hustle? Both. 
Um, what inspires my painting? When I am painting things for passion and not um, because they're commissions, I am inspired very much so by my travels. Because my artworks are so time intensive to create, I like to paint photos that have meaning to me. So I created a love series from my travel to Cuba where I fell in love with this man after I got divorced. That was actually the first time I ever painted my own photograph. And in my opinion, it took my work to the next level. I just recently painted some artwork from my trip to Mykonos this summer. It was my first, I'd say, luxury trip that I really treated myself to since getting a divorce and since becoming, you know, an entrepreneur. I painted the Kotel. I grew up in Israel every summer and I spent all my Friday nights at the Kotel. So that was very meaningful for me. I painted the Tel Aviv sunset. Again, I paint my memories that are important to me. I just began painting some mountains from Aspen, a very important place to me. I painted me and my children on the steps of the Mets, probably my favorite painting. Colors inspire me, anything bright, colorful. These days I'm creating my idiom series that I'm expanding on, which honestly are sayings about my life that apply to my life and that I believe apply to a lot of other people. Um, I did Brains and Beauty, Richest at My Poorest, Poorest at My Richest, Keep It Moving, Making Money Moves, This Too Shall Pass, Art Heals All Wounds. You know, I speak to messages. I had a situation in my life that was very painful, so I heal that through my art. And then my children, really, like, underneath everything, what inspires me? My kids. How is it managing being a mom and starting a business? Because you have two young kids. How do you... How do you make time for everything? And how, how old are they? Meditation. <laughs> breathing. <laughs> you need to remember to breathe. I often forget. I created for myself my first neon ever above my bed that says just breathe as a reminder. Um, it's very challenging. I'm not going to lie. I work about 100 hours a week and I have two little kids. My daughter is almost two. My son is almost four. I left my ex-husband with a three-week-old baby. It was a little crazy. Um, you know, each day is different. I have a very tight schedule. I have zero minutes of free time. You know, in the morning I wake up, let's pretend seven. I used to wake up at 4 a.m. before I hired my assistant to help me with administrative, but let's pretend I wake up at seven now. I spend an hour and change with my kids. Then I get in the shower while my nanny helps get my kids ready. I get myself ready, drop my son at school, head straight to my studio, I try not to get home later than 6 o'clock. I have, you know, in the beginning of my career, I was so, um, I had a fear of finances when I left my divorce. And so I was working like crazy. And I kind of, for I'd say a month or two, forgot that at the end of the day, I'm working so hard to provide a good life for my kids. So if I'm with my kids and, I'm, and I have the phone in my hand all the time, like I'm not present. So I really made a rule that for two to two and a half hours after I get home, I am phone free. Maybe I'll take a picture or a video for content to post later, but I put my phone down. It's quality over quantity time for me with my children. And then once I bathe them, feed them, put them down to sleep, I really go back to work on my phone until about midnight and uh, I don't have a life. When did, hey, that's not true. You have, you have an amazing life. It's just busy. I don't have a personal life yeah. is what I'm trying to say. I really have none. And it's okay for me right now. When did you make that rule about putting your phone down for those few hours with your children? Did you find you were spending so much time on your phone and you needed to really spend the time connecting? Or was that always a rule for you? I made that rule a while ago. Shortly after my divorce, my sister had pointed out, like, listen, 
you're with the family, you're with your kids, but you're always on your phone because my, my job is really 24-7. One, I have clients who will call me at 11 p.m. and I have to take their call because I need the work. But also my social media is 24-7. My phones blow up. Between my two phones, I probably get text messages from at least 100 people a day. Text messages, that's not emails. On a busy day, my Instagram can have 200 DMs and I used to manage it my, all myself. Now, thank God, my team helps me. But about a year and a half ago, I made that rule and I really stick to it. Like if I get a call and it's important, I'll pick it up. But I walk in, I literally put my phone in the charger. I get the speakers for my music. I connect it to Bluetooth and it's done. Talk to us about your process. How long does it take to... to complete a painting so I have a very broad range of work and each artwork takes between 30 and 300 hours to complete so they're all time consuming but there's a very broad range um I have three art assistants who help me with my process I usually work on five or six artworks at once so that they can I have to keep up with all of them basically I'm there are three to my one and they only can do certain parts of my process so they work on we all work on like five or six pieces at once so that I'm not crazy they're waiting on me every second and it's very time consuming I I paint all day I literally paint all day I'm in my studio 9 to five thirty. you see me on camera I'm on time lapse all day and that's one of the reasons that time lapse is actually a very effective tool for me because my work is so time consuming so if you were watching it live without being on speed it would look like there's no results um but time lapse makes it look really easy and quick <laughs> I love when you do the reveal when you take off all of the tape and then there's this beautiful painting Courtney have you seen this yet you no, have to see no, this it's unbelievable it. when we take a break I'm gonna show you it's it's amazing so it's so funny so everyone loves the reveal yes. part it's very interesting the least and that's why I'm always in the videos on the reveal because people want to see that. But to be honest, that's the least efficient use of my time, okay? I wouldn't let anybody just take off the tape and do the reveal. You have to be careful. You're using knives. You're poking the board. You need to lift carefully. But it doesn't take any creative talent to lift the tape, right? It takes precision and you need to be careful. My assistants can theoretically do that. But then I'll never be in those reveal videos. And that's the most, that and laying the paint are the most visual parts, okay? So I'm in all those reveal videos, which is why you'll see like three or four of us on the video at once because I want to get it done as quickly as possible so I can actually use my time efficiently. Um, the least visual part of the process is where I'm color coding. I don't know if you've ever seen, but like I circle and I'm writing on the board. I'm basically looking at an image and I'm changing the colors from what I see in front of me. That's actually the part of my process that nobody can replicate because they're not in my brain. And it's the least visual, but in my opinion, it's the most important. Are there other artists that have a similar style to what you're doing? Yes, they have all ripped me off. I am the OG, literally. <laughs> Good for you. If you start Googling this style of artwork, so actually the way I started creating this style of artwork, I had taught myself a specific technique using tape and knives. I'm not a trained artist. I never tried to draw, although it's on my list of to start to learn to sketch. I'm sure I'd be very good at it if I actually tried it out. But I was painting these geometric abstractions and I developed my butterfly technique, which is all with tape and knives. And I was really getting very bored. I bore easily. I said, I want to stop painting patterns. What other type of art can I execute using this 
technique that I taught myself. And I started researching online and I found this style of digital pop art. It's called WPAP art. It originated in Indonesia and it's a way of vectorizing an image based on light and shadows. And I was like, wow, I can totally use my technique to execute this. And if you look into it, they were only applying it, these digital, first of all, it was only digital art. Nobody had ever painted this style. And they were only also applying it to people with, and these designers, they're artists themselves, they're digital artists, but they were using really weird color palettes. If you Google it, you'll see they're very specific palettes and nobody was deviating and I didn't understand why. Anyway, I decided, okay, I'm gonna try and paint it and I created a painting. And then, and so I started painting people, not in their color palettes. I do my own thing, but I was the first one to ever paint that style. And then after I got bored of painting people, I said, okay, can I apply the same concept of vectorizing an image using shadows and lighting to, you know, paint inanimate objects or animals or flowers? And I started doing that and it was really successful. And then I said, you know what, I'm going to take this one step further. I'm now going to start painting my own photos. Kind of, I got really inspired by falling in love with this man in Cuba and I wanted to document that. And I said, I'm going to try painting my own photo. And this way I was in control of the entire, you know, perspective and concept of the artwork because it was my photo. Um, and honestly, in that moment marked a time where my work really changed. And literally, if you Google, I'm the first person to ever paint them. And also to start applying that technique to different concepts. Now there are people copying me left and right. And I'm okay with it. People say, how could you show your technique online? Aren't you scared that people are going to rip you off? Rip me off. You're going to make my work more valuable. I'm the OG. You're never going to find it on Google before me. I'm telling you. Coming up, you'll hear from Elizabeth how social media has been pivotal in the success of her business. Plus, a surprise. mentioned earlier that social media drives your business, which is really music to mine and Stephanie's ears. Uh, can you tell us about how you use social media to, to land your next client? So first of all, as I mentioned, my career started on social. I am very active on social media. I light up my story all day, every day. I'd say at least 10 pictures a day of what I'm doing. And I use it not only to engage my followers, but as a very analytical tool. You know, I have a business account. If you have 10,000 followers, you can access a business account. And right now, over the past few months, Instagram has actually released a lot of very important analytical tools that are useful for businesses. I literally use my followers as a focus group. And I don't really understand why more brands don't do that. You know, when I decide what photo I'm painting, I can narrow down to four photos and they're each meaningful to me and they take 300 hours to paint. But I know who I'm selling to. I'm selling to my followers. So I put up all four pictures on my social and I put up votes and I say, which should I paint? And they vote. And one, I now know what appeals to my followers the most. But two, they feel as though they're part of your process because you're giving them a voice. And what I've learned is that everybody wants a voice. Um, I am partic I'm very particular with the content that I put up. I put mostly my work life and I definitely put some of my, my family life, you know, working kids. I don't ever really put up 
You'll never see a man who I'm dating on my social. If you ever see a man on my social, it literally means I'm not dating them. Um, but I try, no, seriously, but I do try to respond to everybody. I know the identity of my brand because I've always managed my social media myself. I, for the first two and a half years, I was answering all my DMs. I was doing all the engagement, all the posting. Now I have Jillian and my friend, and she's on my team as well, Raya. They help me with my DMs and sometimes engaging after you post. You know, you guys are on social. You know that now Instagram is literally a science. It went from being kind of a democratic social platform where you post, it's in chronological order, everyone's seeing it. You know that... That's why we have a business now. (laughs) Exactly. But it's the truth of the matter is had I started my business a year prior, I probably would have had 10 times as many followers. But now it's much harder to grow. You literally need to follow what you guess is their algorithm because they don't tell you. How fast were you growing when you first started your account? When I had way fewer followers, Mm. I was growing 200 plus followers a week, which was a lot because I didn't have a lot of followers. Now I'm probably growing at an even lower rate than that Mm. and have many more followers. So you really need to get creative with how you uh, grow your followers I can give lots of tips. And um, you do a lot of, you do a lot of contests on your so Instagram. I used to do more contests. Now I've started participating in loop giveaways. Yep. I found that there those are actually the number one most helpful tool to grow my social media, to get real followers, a lot of them, and you kind of capitalize on the followers of other accounts so that you're not just dependent on yours. There are different ways that you can host a contest or a giveaway on social each with very different goals. Um, I found that loop giveaways, successful ones, even though they're kind of annoying to participate in because you have to follow a schedule, you're in a group chat that's getting hundreds of messages a day. I don't look at it, to be honest. Um, but I get two to 3,000 real followers that stay with me after each one, and that's a really nice gain. More than any press I've ever gotten, more than any contest I've ever done give like done by myself, more than any influencer tagging me, people with millions of followers, loop giveaways. I'm organizing one of my own right now because they're so successful. Who are the other uh, Instagrammers in the loop loop giveaway? Is it other artists or is it So the ones that people have approached me with have not been other artists. Um, They've been, you know, accounts within the Jewish community, which is a lot of my followers are in the Jewish community because that's where I come from. I am trying to organize my own because they're actually successful loops are hard to come by. They're annoying to organize. People typically charge for them because they're a lot of work. I want to, I'm experimenting now by organizing my own loop because I want to see if I can minimize the drop-off rate. So let's pretend that in a loop giveaway, you get 3,000 followers. You can expect that the drop-off rate is going to be about 33%. It depends on what your feed looks like, right? I'm sure I have a lower drop-off rate than somebody else because my product is actually very visual and fit for Instagram. But let's pretend that an average drop-off rate is 33%. My thought process is that if I organize a loop with other artists whose followers are clearly interested in art, there's going to be a much lower drop-off rate because these people are already interested in art. So why would they mind following other art accounts. So right now, my assistant Jillian and I are working on putting about 30 artists and interior designers in one loop to basically give away two prizes, major prizes, 15 artworks to each or 15 artworks and some furniture. And it's basically, you know, 
redesign your entire home with new artwork giveaway, like an artist's, an art collector's dream, really. 30 people in one loop sounds like a lot of work and hard to organize and follow. Have you I've thought about... I've definitely fallen into those loops Have you before. done 30 before? I haven't done your... I haven't done a loop in a while, but I've definitely participated before, so... It can be. It can feel like it's never ending. I know. Listen, but I, I know it, it works. works. The yeah. best way to yeah. grow, better than contests, better than press, better than influencers tagging you. I've had people with millions. of Yeah, followers let's talk. Let's talk about the influencers who have tagged you or who have posted you. Who who's been posting about your collection? So you know, my I have some celebrity clients who I either sold to or gifted. One of the ways I started my career and getting my artwork into important people's hands was to gift artwork. And I, originally I started gifting, you know, smaller bloggers. But as my career grew, you know, nobody is ever too developed or important to give free product. Let me tell you that. You know, I have companies say, oh, but I'm established already. I don't need to give anything for free to anybody. If that's your mindset, you know, so be it. That's not my my, my mindset Yes, you need to focus your dollars and your marketing dollars and gifting dollars on people who are important. So if you're established, gift to A-list celebrities. You know, I got the opportunity to get my artwork to the hands of Kendall Jenner and Kourtney Kardashian um, through chance. I actually, Kendall Jenner ended up at my art show um, three weeks after I had my baby. I did an art show at this restaurant boutique that I used to work with. It was the first night of sh uh, Fashion Week. And she and Haley Baldwin ended up at my show. And obviously, I know how to hustle and network. And I started talking to her friend. And I ended up getting invited to leave with them. And it was I was a little drunk. It was my first time drinking <laughs> since having my, my daughter. And I was like, they invited me to go. I didn't know where I was going. I was just like, sure, I don't say no to an opportunity like that. I ended up in a recording studio in Soho at 2 a.m. with Kendall Jenner and a bunch of rappers who I did not know who they were at the time. <laughs> I, it turns out it was ASAP Rocky, who I really still didn't know who I, he was until afterwards. He, ASAP Rocky, put on my diamond engagement ring and my wedding band. I had no clue who he was. <laughs> um, but anyway, it turns out that I left my ex-husband the next morning because we got into a huge fight. I had texted him saying, I'm going to be home late. I'm safe. Don't worry. But he thought it was inappropriate that I had gone. And um, I just realized we weren't on the same wavelength. And it was really the same thing, different day, that, that we were having the fight. But it pushed me to leave. Long story short is I had given Kendall my car that night. And I had gotten the number of her friend. And I said, okay, I'm going to paint her. And I'll figure out a way to get it to her. And I had been communicating with her friend and then her assistant. And then they stopped answering. So I was like, you know what? It's not meant to be. If they don't want the artwork, it's not meant to be. And then I was working with um, somebody else at a different venue. And he goes, oh, you know, my best friend is Scott Disick. He'd love your Batman. I really want to give it to him. I knew he was asking me for my artwork for free. I said, that's so funny because I had, paint I had met Kendall. I had painted her. I wanted to get her the work. Long story short is he said he'd get them my artwork. Um, he'd, he'd make their arrangements. But in the meantime, it wasn't my sole focus. You know, I have other things going on. In the meantime, I had gone to the um, Cannes Film Festival and I went, my client is a very important uh, doctor and his clients own all the Chapard stores in the Middle East. So I went as a guest of theirs and I was like a VIP guest of Chapard who literally organizes the whole entire fair. 
I felt like I was an A-list celebrity for the week. We had access to their like VIP makeup, hair, whatever. Long story short is I kept on running into Kendall Jenner at these events. You know, I ran. <laughs> Chappard had like the most elite dinner of the festival was a private dinner before their private Bruno Mars concert. And I was at the dinner with 300 people and Kendall Jenner was there. So as soon as I saw her, I said to my publicist who had come with me to Cannes, um, I said, I'm beelining before she gets it, you know, the, it's all private, but this was the real private event. Um, I was like, I'm beelining before she gets to the concert part and I'm never seeing her again. And so she is actually the only person who's flanked by additional security when there are already hundreds of security there. And I went up to her and her security guard goes like this and she looks at me and I think she was so confused to see me there because like, who is this girl who was randomly in this recording studio? Keeps ending up with friends. <laughs> You know, I think she, like... Thought you were following her? <laughs> you know, I don't necessarily think she necessarily wanted me in that recording studio type of thing. It was her and her friends. And she's like, who is this girl that's now at this party? And then, so she shoes her bodyguard away. And I said, remember me? And I pulled up the painting immediately. I knew I was going to run into her. And I said, I actually reached out to your team to send this to you after I painted it. And then it fell through. You know, she took my information... And I said, do you mind taking a selfie? She was actually very nice. She let me take a picture. And she said, I'll have my team reach out. And then later that night, we went to the Bruno Mars concert after. And actually, there were like two VIP sections in the concert. And my table was one table closer to the stage than than hers and uh, Bella's. And so my back was facing them. And I was wearing a really pretty red gown that was backless. And I think she was like, who is this girl? Like, because she's still- <laughs> She was like, who is this girl? So you got her the painting. So long story short is I ended up shipping um, a Mickey and Minnie painting to Courtney. And I, listen, this is a, they're very influential. So they don't give you any guarantees. But once I was investing in the opportunity to send, you know, my costs on my artworks are thousands of dollars each. And shipping it alone was over $3,000. So I was like, you know, this is my single biggest investment I'm ever making I'm not just going to send her one painting. I sent her a butterfly and I sent her a painting of Karl Lagerfeld. Um, and sh- she never ended up sending me pictures, to be honest. But Courtney ended up, um, by chance, putting it on her Snapchat and her Instagram on her story. She didn't tag me. So it didn't help with my followers. But I screenshotted it. I put it in my press kit. My followers, I didn't even see her story. You know, she didn't tag me. In fact, that day... I had a blow up with my ex-husband, so my brain was somewhere else. And then all of a sudden, people are sending me screenshots. Liz, did you see this? Is this yours? Is this on Courtney's story? And I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Whether With or without the tag, it's still good to have. Um, you know, I've worked with Andrea Bocelli. I did a custom artwork for him and his family. Um, the, his wife had sent my friend uh, some of her favorite photos of him. And I did my own, you know, version of it. And I had the opportunity to bring it to him in L.A., when he was performing um, his concert there, I delivered it to him in person at the montage. They were so gracious, so lovely. They took pictures with me. They even posted it on their Instagram. And I got to attend his concert as a VIP backstage. Usher drove me home from the concert. (laughs) He was actually my first concert I ever attended. So having Usher be my Uber driver home was like (laughs) a joke. Okay, it was literally a joke. Um, That was a fun memory this year. Um, but so did I, that help your did that help your sales? Did it help your following? It helps my brand. brand yeah. Okay. People think it's cool 
for me, a c- celebrities are not any different than other people, but I do recognize that they have value and that they can help me build my brand. Right before I came here, I dropped an artwork by Something Navy by Arielle Charnis. She is the most influential blogger in fashion, bar none. We were just talking about her. Bar none. She's very smart. She's genuine. People like her. She's not over the top. And, you know, I've worked with her interior designer, so I wanted to get her artwork, but she's pretty picky. You know, everyone's trying to send Ariel stuff. Um, I communicated with the team. They said, sure, I can bring something by. And I said, you know what? I'll choose something. If she wants something else and she's interested, I'll give her something else. Again, I have specific set marketing dollars, but certain people I see value and I'm very appreciative if they're willing to work with me. Well, speaking of social media, we obviously follow you and know that exercise and working out to keep your mind and body ready to go so you're able to work is very important to you. So we have a little surprise in your bag here. So if you open it in the card... Let's see. Let's see what's inside. So funny. Somebody sent me a Barry's Bootcamp gift card via email the other day. There was no uh, name on it. And I was like, who is this? And I literally put on my to-do list for Jillian to call Barry's and see who gifted it to me. And then that night I went for dinner. She's like, by the way, did you get my gift? It's like, oh, my God, that was you. You guys are the oh, yeah. I love the memo too. I literally love you. I literally love you. Thank we, you so much. We know much. you love berries. I literally love thank you. You, for you guys are amazing. Coming on the podcast you guys are, today. No, I should be giving you a gift. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you guys a clutch for having me. Okay, like well, thank, thank you, you for so having much. me. Guys, work out hard and be nice to people. That's one of my life philosophies and also Barry's philosophy, which is why I love them. It's my peace of mind and my sanity. Honestly, you're two kinds. This was so unnecessary. Thank you so much. I love you. (laughs) Well, enjoy. Thank you. I love them. I love them. What would you say was one of the biggest challenges you've ever experienced running the business and what have you learned from it? (sighs) My challenge is running the business. Okay. There are a number. Well, first of all, I wish I had some mentors when I first started to save, you know, I've definitely wasted some dollars making mistakes and I wish I had had somebody to kind of guide me around those because some of them were fairly expensive and my dollars are limited. Um, Challenges. Well, first of all, I got divorced right when I had started my career. That was definitely a challenge. I need to be completely financially independent. I walked away with really no alimony. I made that decision. I come from a really traumatizing uh, divorce from my parents. And so that was a challenge. You know, I no longer have somebody supporting me or my kids, to be honest. I do that myself. And then the real challenge, I mean, there are everyday challenges, but one instance in particular, you know, uh, a year ago, I lost my dear friend and art assistant in a car accident. It occurred in my car on my birthday, having left my my party in my gallery at Art Basel, and my 28-year-old art assistant and friend was killed. Um, one, it was a challenge. It was a you know, multi-level challenge. On a personal level, I was dead inside. I had PTSD. I went from the scene of a party to the scene of an accident to the trauma unit. Um, So recovering that personally was devastating, but I had to still be a businesswoman. This happened in front of the world, right? I went from being on my story saying, guys, I know you were expecting pictures from tonight, but I was too in the moment. I was having the best time. I'm about to light up my story to literally getting a phone call that changed my life. 
to 10 minutes later arriving on the scene of an accident. So the whole thing really unfolded in front of people. Um, and I had to just keep putting my best foot forward, right? Like I still have to run my business. It caused a plethora of problems for my business. My car was totaled. My assistants were supposed to drive my, car, my artwork back to New York the next day. Both my assistants were down. One ended up passing away 36 hours later. The other had bleeding in his brain um, and was in the hospital for quite some time. He had brain surgery. So I had to now figure out logistically how to get my art back to New York. That was an unanticipated $10,000 cost that ended up in a lot of damaged artwork as well. My car was totaled. I needed to now hire attorneys, deal with insurance companies to deal with it all so I could just focus on figuring out how to salvage my business, right? My two key men are now down. I was, I had a pop-up shop in the West Village at the time. I had my full-time studio in Long Island City and I had my pop-up in Miami. So I was managing three spaces and my life literally fell apart. Um, So coming back from that was probably the biggest challenge I've ever had on both a personal and a business level. I said, you know what? I need to get something big to bring back my focus, uh, at which point I hustled a collaboration with international coffee and juice chain, Joe and the Juice, and it literally gave me something positive to focus on. Um, Regular challenges that are not catastrophic and traumatic, you know, I I have challenges every day trying to balance my life um, and my time. 2019, I'm going into 2019 focused and leveraged. I kept on encountering the problem of having to focus on chasing short-term dollars so that I can pay my bills. And, you know, in a way that was contradictory to my long-term goals. Um, And it was a big struggle. And I've been meeting with advisors and mentors to kind of get focused because right now this is a very pivotal time in my career. It's either now or never. I need to be completely financially independent by the end of this year. And I, my costs of living are high. I live on the Upper East Side in Manhattan. I have two kids, a live-in nanny, because I would not be able to work the hours that I do if I did not. So I am trying to focus and leverage. And I've been doing this exercise with this consultant, which is what, why, and how? What am I looking to achieve why do I want it to why do I want to achieve those goals? Are they personal? Are they for financial reasons? And what resources do I have at my fingertips right now? Not tomorrow, not in the future, not when I grow, right now to execute those plans. And so, you know, I was really all over the place because one, I have a lot of ideas. And two, again, I was chasing short-term dollars. So if someone was paying me fifteen hundred dollars, two thousand dollars for a speaking engagement, I'd be like, okay, cash right now, let me do it. But my long-term goals are to be a international household name in the world of fine art and design. So I need to focus on building that brand. I just launched my clutches. I want to focus on licensing deals. I just secured my, God willing, my biggest deal yet, um, my most exciting project that I'm working on now. It is with a 20,000 square foot showroom in Chelsea called Tile Bar. You guys should check it out really beautiful stuff and soon it's going to be even more beautiful stuff because my designs will be there um but we are launching three luxurious marble collections at the arc digest design show and the reason that i'm particularly excited about this deal 
other than the fact that it's lucrative, is because I've wanted to foray into the home since I left my marriage. When I left my marriage, I knew I needed to create a product because, you know, I need to be able to make money in my sleep. My artworks are one of a kind. I need to be able to manufacture a product that's not $10,000 because not everybody can afford that. And so I decided I was going to create a whole line of home accessories and decor. Um, Really, it was a kind of an ego thing. I told you that the only thing I do in my life are really work and kids. And I miss cooking. That used to be my passion, cooking and hosting and entertaining. But one, I like to cook at ease. I want to spend all day in the kitchen with some wine and my Santoku knife. Um, And also to entertain for 15 people is very expensive. Kosher meat is $35 a pound. And so I said the way I'm going to get cooking back into my life is if I make products that I can set my table with, right? Because I'm the queen of self-promotion. If I can set it on my own plates and put that in my social, you know, that's how I'm going to bring cooking back into my life. So I, it was the first time I had ever really invested heavily into my business. I hired a graphic designer to help me mock up an entire collection. And I had met this woman, Barry, of Barry Lynn. She owns the largest little girls luxury accessories line in the market, 6,000 stores around the world. And she was helping me create samples for my home line. She was really just giving me an opportunity. And I had sent samples to China. We weren't getting the right finishes, the right glazes. So we were working on it. Long story short, the accident happened. And it put the need for speed on my dollars. And I said, Barry, like, what's the status? I need to, I need to come to market. She said, listen, I'm not getting the proper glazing, the proper finishing. The quality is not right. If you need to make money, you need to design something that I can create for you right now. So that's kind of how I ended up doing my clutches. But like I said, I want to go into the home. I love interior design. I love tablescaping. That's really my Probably had I studied something in school that was relevant to my career, I would have studied interior design because you have the ability to create art everywhere, more or less. So Tile Bar is giving me the opportunity. It's really my segue into the home. I I know my designs. I'll show you guys after. But I believe that these designs are going to be picked up by some serious hospitality projects. God willing, I'll get some nice write-ups in, you know, some print magazines, El Decor, Lux. I'd love to be written up. This tile is really special. You'll see it after. I'm really I can't wait to see it. it. Coming up, Elizabeth has shared so much with us. We want to be able to give back, so we're going to have a quick brainstorm. You can connect with us at socialflyny.com and follow us on Instagram at entrepreneistas. Check out all our latest episodes at entrepreneistapodcast.com. Here's your social media tip of the week by Socialfly. Remember to engage in trending moments. Whether we like it or not, memes are here to stay. And increasingly, we're seeing brands jump on the trending topic bandwagon to create social-friendly moments that make an impact in the space. Make sure to have members of your team up to date on social media trends and be ready to act quickly if there's a trending conversation you can join. It doesn't matter if it's not directly tied to your marketing goals. The brand awareness payoff could be bigger than you ever imagined.
Something that we like to do with our guests is host a brainstorm. So we will put 60 seconds on the clock and Stephanie and I, and, and you will too, participate in trying to solve anything that's going on in your business or anything that you, you know, want to pick our brains about. Really? I get 60 seconds. You get 60 seconds. Perfect. Because I might need to hire you, though. I actually, right now, I said I'm focused in leverage, and I've set the goal of selling 10,000 clutches via e-commerce this year. Maybe an unrealistic goal, but if I don't set it, I definitely won't achieve it. I need to figure out a digital marketing strategy that will literally give me an acquisition cost per new user so I can move these clutches via e-com. All right. 60 seconds on the clock. Ready? All right, what is the cost of the handbag? The they clutch? retail for two seventy five, but I am thinking of doing two ninety eight free shipping, free returns. All right, and well, I have so many questions. This might be might, longer than a sixty second brainstorm. You might be doing some of the things that we're recommending already, maybe. Uh, but something that we would recommend is uh, running Facebook and Instagram ads to drive traffic to your website. Um, you're going to have to create compelling content in order to get people's attention and their feeds. Uh, you might want to work with a lot of influencers if you're not if you aren't already, and and give them the clutch to to create content for you, and also give your your clutches that um, stamp of, of verification because all these cool people are are posting. Definitely that send Ariel the clutch with the painting. Okay, there you go. <laughs> of course, you're, it seems like you're, you're one step ahead. ahead. <laughs> Have you done Facebook or Instagram advertising? So I have one time I did Instagram advertising. And actually, for me, it's not the right fit. Facebook might be. I actually really need to develop a very serious digital marketing strategy. Facebook is probably on that list. But I might also just want to do traditional, you know, digital ads that are on, you know, refinery29.com or things that really appeal to my demographic. Why don't I like Instagram ads? So remember we talked about the algorithm of Instagram. If you pay Instagram to boost your posts... They will punish you if you stop boosting your posts. So you'll find, you know, if you want to continually advertise on Instagram, then you need to make that commitment and say, okay, I'm always going to be paying to boost posts because if not, Instagram literally punishes you. They, the way Instagram's algorithm works right now, to the best of my knowledge, is you need to get a certain engagement rate within the first few minutes, within the first 10 minutes. Otherwise, nobody's going to see your picture. So... They won't show people your picture if you stop advertising because they want to force you to advertise. And you end up with a lower engagement for the next five, seven days to follow because they want to try and get your money. I think playing devil's advocate with the Instagram platform being able to advertise, you're able to reach your exact target audience. So if you knew you could pay... $500 to advertise a certain piece of content and then you knew you were going to generate, you know, $2,500 in sales, would you want to spend that $500 or would it make sense for you to just, I don't want to say be stubborn, but just hold out just because you feel that way that Instagram's doing that? 100%. That means that I'm spending 20% on acquiring, I'm spending 20% on acquiring a user, which is really not so bad. You know, I literally need to figure out what my acquisition cost per new user would be, right? I made the decision to keep my clutches exclusive to my website this year, which might change by the way, because I want to be able to get all the margins as opposed to going wholesale, right? So considering that that's my strategy, when you have a wholesale markup, I don't know how familiar you are with wholesale to retail, you're marking up 2.2 to 2.5%. That's the margins that these stores want, right? So if I can 
create my acquisition cost per new user at anything less than that markup, it pays off to spend on advertisements. I'm just not sure that Instagram, you know, if I didn't have natural good engagement, then I would say, yes, definitely boost. However, it kills my natural engagement. And that's the problem. That's why I think maybe Facebook would be Here's better. Here's a workaround for you. If you have another account where you aren't going off the account you have now, but you're just featuring all the clutches on a separate account and just advertise from that account, and then you can test it without affecting your... That's not a bad yeah. idea. I have another test, account. Yeah. It's called Elizabeth Sutton Designs. It's not particularly active, but that's definitely a, a smart idea to maybe test it out and yeah. see if it actually yields sales. And then something that we've noticed, too, is that when you get really personal on your Instagram account... What you do. A, t- mm-hmm. a lot more engagement, which I'm... I, Exactly. I'm sure you, you um, do that all the time. But but yeah, that's a way around the algorithm. So while we're talking about social media, what are some of your favorite social media tips that you want to share with other entrepreneurs? So again, Instagram's algorithm, you need to create engagement immediately as soon as you post. The first 10 minutes are very important. So if you have multiple accounts, go on your other accounts, like the picture, save to collection. The second you get a comment on your picture, like it, reply. I try and light up my story right before I post so that my my uh, feed is popping up on the stories and then it'll force it to pop up also on your main feed. I also, you know, 10 minutes after I post, Jillian is literally, my assistant, is on my phone engaging for 10 minutes. Instagram pods are definitely useful. I used to partis- participate in them more. Now I'm a little busy, but they're very smart because basically you have a group chat of a bunch of socially inclined people. And the second you post, you send a message to the group chat. And if they see it, they go like, they go comment, they save to collection. And it's really all about the engagement within the first few minutes. I engage via my captions. I, I've i discovered via my other influencer friends that the reason that people relate to me and some of them are because they're genuine. They keep it real. Social media has become a place of a lot of facades. You can look picture perfect even though you were hysterical crying, having a blow up with your husband right prior. What prompts you to put a picture of the two of you smiling 10 minutes later? I don't really know, but (laughs) people do it because they want to seem like they're picture perfect and happy. I think one of the reasons I've built such, you know, credibility with my followers is because that's not real life and that's not my life. That's not the life I try to portray at all. And I actually am very dependent on my social media followers, my Insta fam, as I call them, because they enable my whole career. Now my, my, what I'm doing now to kind of leverage that following is I'm starting a blog. Um, You know, I invested in fixing up my website. And as you know, SEO is all word-based. And it just so happens that my SEO is really good naturally because I've gotten a lot of press. If you Google me, the first two to three pages are all me. And there are a lot of Elizabeth Suttons out there. But, you know, I want to start driving traffic now that I have a product to sell. Because for the first two and a half years, I didn't have an actual product to sell other than my fine art. And that's not something that you really sell online, add to cart, $10,000 artwork, you know, you need to create fine art, it needs to be shipped a certain way. So I am trying to drive traffic to my website by leveraging my content, leveraging what I already do, and kind of create these elongating, you know, my long, crazy captions, making them longer, expanding upon them, and it's going to drive traffic to my website. It's going to boost my SEO naturally, because I'm going to have thousands and thousands and thousands of words now on my website. And people are going to go directly to my website so they can read what I write and they'll see my product in front of their face. Definitely very smart. And what would you say being an entrepreneurista means to you? 
Well, first and foremost, being a girl boss, which is why I wore this sweater. I thought it was very fit. I wrote down some keywords because I actually was really thinking about it. Um, first of all, being strong, hustling, working hard, having a proper work ethic. You know, I definitely look up to a lot of moms who work, especially because it's really hard to balance both. An entrepreneur, in my opinion, is a woman who supports other women and keeps it real. I'm not going to lie. I've found that a lot of women claim to help others. They claim to support others. And they don't put their money where their mouth is. And I understand that you can't help everyone. Usually people being asked for help are fairly busy. But even just replying to an email, usually when you're that important, you have a number of assistants, you can reply to an email. So... I think helping others is a big part of that definition and giving back because, you know, for me, so many people have helped me and guide me. I need to pay it forward. So that's definitely part of the, de- the definition. Admitting your mistakes, learning from them to grow as a businesswoman, um, being independent, being a role model for others, and definitely having a passion for both life and business, I'd say sums up what I would define as an entrepreneur. I love that. And you definitely have a passion for life and business. You're a true entrepreneur. And thank you so you much too. for yeah. thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You've definitely lived an incredible life. And and I 29 years old. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. I can't wait to continue to follow you and see everything that that you do next. And We'll be sharing and promoting all well, of your we'll work. Maybe we'll be working so together. We'll definitely. I actually might need social fly. I'm not kidding. Definitely. <laughs> no, we can we can talk about that. So where can everyone find you, follow you, and of course, not only by your art, but your clutches? So you can follow along on Instagram. That's definitely where I'm the most active. You can purchase through there. You watch my stories because they're actually pretty interesting and they're fun to watch. People tell me they're very meditative. They're better than their therapy sessions. Literally. Oh, maybe. Um, Could you put them on YouTube, the time lapse? So I'm going to start putting all my content within the next month on YouTube, Pinterest, and this blog. Like, that is literally my focus of 2019, leveraging my content on other forums, on other social media platforms. You can check out my website, www.elizabethsuttoncollection.com. And follow my Instagram at Elizabeth Sutton Collection. And for your followers, I'm happy to offer a 10% off code on my clutches and my prints for 48 hours after the launch. Entrepreneurista 10 will be the discount code. So happy shopping. Thank you. I appreciate it. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you again for being here. We learned so much from you today. I personally don't know, didn't know anything about the art world. So I was so excited to, to have this conversation with you. And thank you everyone for listening and tuning in this week. We will be back next week with another incredible entrepreneurista. Until then, I'm Stephanie. And I'm Courtney. And this is the best business meeting we've ever had. Entreprenista is produced by Mouth Media Network for Socialfly. Copyright 2019, Socialfly, all rights reserved. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.